You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this Saturday edition, episode 238 of Disability After Dark. I am the amazing Andrew Gerza, your deliciously disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get the show started, everybody. Just want to give a quick shout out. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark where you get the show completely ad-free and one day early before it's released on the podcast feed. So if you're listening... On the Patreon feed, thank you for your support. And if you want to support, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. The other ways you can support the show are by doing a review of the show, writing about it, um, talking about it, coming on the show. I'd love to have you all as guests. I'm doing more different types of episodes as the show progresses because this is a cool platform and I have a lot more things to say than just about sexuality. So... A lot more cool things are coming, and I'm experimenting with the format, and I'm experimenting with different types of things, so other stuff is coming on this feed. Stay tuned. But now, on with the show. 
one of my most favorite things to do is to sit down with the next generation of disabled people on this show. It's been one of my most f fun things to do on the show is to talk to young people who have disabilities today because I realize how much I am learning as an old dinosaur of, of a disabled person at 37. I love sitting down with young people and that's what I get to do today. I am so excited to share with you who my guest is. Let me tell you all about it. So my guest today, her name is Hannah Pierce. She's 17. She lives with cerebral palsy in Edinburgh, Scotland. She's really, really cool. And we talk about her experiences being a young person and going to school with disabilities, the questions her peers asked her, asks, ask her as a young person with disabilities, as a wheelchair user, how she feels sometimes like she needs to prove that she's more than her mobility device, her kind of experiences missing out on the common adolescent things that we all wish we could do, like house parties and things like that, because of disability and because of people's perceptions, stuff like that. So there was a whole lot to unpack here. I loved sitting down with Hannah. She was so fun and so just she had a really great energy, and I'm excited for you to hear all about it. So without further ado, here is my interview with 17-year-old Hannah Pierce, right now on Disability After Dark. Hannah Pierce, hello. Hi. Hi, it's such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm honored to be here. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. It's so nice to talk with you, and I love having the, the next generation on my show and talking about like being young and disabled. And so can you... Describe yourself to the audience and kind of tell us yeah. a little bit about who you are, what you do. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm 17. I'm from Scotland. I am in high school currently, but I also run my own website about disability education and awareness on the side. And yeah, and I kind of just do a bit of everything. And you live in? Edinburgh, Scotland. So Nice, nice. I am so jealous. I was in I was in London, not the same place at all. I know. I was in London uh, last the fall of 2019, and I fell in love with Europe. And I want to move there, and I want to stay there. It was great. Oh yeah, I've been to London actually. It's so nice. I think we stayed at the King Cross Hotel when I went because I went for a pitching competition, so I could start. Oh, nice. So we went to this thing, and we ended up being in like the the mayor of London's like mansion in the city center. Wow, that's so cool. It was really cool. And I brought my whole family and they were all like, what is happening? How did you get here? And I was like, I don't that's even amazing. know. That's amazing. That's really awesome. I fell in love with London when I was there. Um, I wouldn't say it was the most accessible for me, but I loved it still. <laughs> yeah. Um, and are you, are you a power wheelchair user? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Nice, nice. Awesome. Me too. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your disabilities and how they impact your day-to-day -day life? Cool. So the main disability I have is, um, cerebral palsy, specifically quadriplegic spastic cerebral palsy. Me too. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So basically for anyone who doesn't know who that is, it makes your muscles really tense. And then whenever, specifically whenever I feel a strong emotion, everything tenses up within me. And it's like, it can be hard to speak or do whatever so, sometimes. And like the main thing for me though, is that I can't walk at all. So I can't wait there. So I use a wheelchair full time to get me around and do what I need to do. I mean, being a wheelchair user is the best. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, it is, but like, if you have other stuff too, that's fine. But um, I love your shirt. It's very colorful what you're wearing Thank today. Thank you, it's a rainbow shirt. I made it gay. It's <laughs> you made a game that doesn't. That's yeah. awesome. Um, um, so other than like the specificity and the CP, like how how would you say your disabilities play a role in your day to day? Um, well they affected quite a lot and like the fact that, you know, I, I maybe can't get into certain venues or like I have to do specific activities with my friends and everything I have to do is very organized and premeditated. And like, I have carers that will come in and help me do my schoolwork and things. Like, 
due to the pandemic, we've had to do it over Zoom, but if she was here, she would be sat in my house making sure I've like taken all the notes and can do everything and can keep up to speed. Yeah. How does it feel now? Like one of the things I'm curious about, because you are 17 and you're still in high school. And for me, that feels like, for me, that was literally 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, How did, how does it feel to be like a young person with disabilities in high school right now? It's so weird as well. Cause I go to mainstream school. It's very strange because I'm, I know my needs very well, but obviously the education system doesn't. Yeah. So it's strange in fact that like they try and t- treat you able-bodied, but a lot of people don't know how. So like, uh, um, I've been called differently abled a couple of times, like, or if I've talked about being disabled, like it can make people quite awkward and they might not know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I'm around school, if like somebody's like do you know hannah they'll be like no but then as soon as you go do you know the girl in the wheelchair they're like oh yeah i've seen her oh (laughs) and so like you kind of mentioned that in your questionnaire how how does it feel for you to be like how does it feel to be called the girl in the chair it it can be tough because it's like I get completely why you did it because you're in a sea of like a thousand people in a massive high school and you need like a distinguishing factor but like I'm more than a mobility device and when people like put that label on me it can feel quite limiting in that sense of like okay so that's all that you see me that's all yeah you don't see the rest of me and you don't see the rest of like so if you could like compare your experiences as a disabled teen to say your peers who are non-disabled how would you say they're different uh the main difference is i noticed is things like house parties like i'll see them going on all the time but i've never actually been to one and like when they're in class and things you can hear everyone kind of chatting and doing things and saying about the weekend and all that type of stuff and you just sat there like huh, i'm not there oh yeah i remember that i remember the the joy of being like i didn't do that party that you went to cool i was at home yeah like do you feel like you miss do you feel like do do you want to go to a house party like is that something you want to feel like i've missed all the cliche things that you were like meant to do because like i'm leaving in like two months as well like that's when the year ends so i've kind of missed it all of like the typical high school experience and then are you going to like university or college yeah, I'm going to university. Nice, nice. Um, so, so I I know we're in pandemic, so this is this will be a weird question. But are you are you moving into like a dorm, or would you could you move into a dorm? Yeah, I'm moving into like the accommodation once I get there. So yeah, but nice. also I needed to check with my disabled friends and be like, is this a good place to go? Yeah. And they were like, yes, we all loved it. Go. I swear and, it's good. I swear there's a good social life. And I was like, and okay. so they can- have they have figured out like the access needs for you and for care and stuff. Yeah, they figured it out. And like I have a social worker who's like figuring out how it all works. So I think we'll be good. Good. I, I wanted to make sure that like because my high school experience was like quite bad at the beginning because of fire access and all those types of things. I can actually get into my classes for the first three years. Like, so I was essentially in like the learning, like kids with learning disabilities, like unit for like three years. So I would just get sent down worksheets. So they segregated you because, because the school itself wasn't actually accessible to you? Yeah, they segregated it because the parent company who owned the school didn't want to make it accessible and like they didn't want to put the fire access in so I was just not in classes for like the first three years that's the most ableist horriblest thing <laughs> I ever. Know. that's and, ridiculous yeah and then when it when I was actually in classes those were the years that you're doing exams or the last three <laughs> so like they were expecting me to do exams which I did and like I did okay but they would always refer to like material they did before and be like do we all remember this and I'd be sat there like no and you'd be like no I wasn't there you wouldn't let me in the room yeah wow 
Um, and how did that make you feel being segregated from your peers like that? I was really depressed, honestly. Like it was really isolating because it made me feel in in a way that I wasn't like good enough or like worthy enough to have the education. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like when I so when I got into classes I felt this like innate overpowering emotion to kind of prove that I was good enough to be there. I feel like you should say that again because like <laughs> say it louder because like it's so and they heard you don't worry it was recorded but I'm saying say it again because it's so important for people to hear like when you segregate somebody like that there's an emotional toll it takes on you. Yeah there's such a toll like it and it doesn't go away either. Like it gets weaker, but it doesn't go away. Like you're always left with that trauma. Yeah. Like you're always left with that. Like I was segregated once. You might do it again. I don't know. So you always kind of have to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you always kind of have to be thinking, like proving yourself and being like, I am good enough. Like, so like I would like constantly answer questions or like try my hardest to keep up with the able people as much as I could. So I, I could be like, look, I am smart. I can do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said something on my Instagram, on my Twitter and Instagram the other day that was like, when I was in school, and I remember this so specifically, when I was in high school, like you are, I had to be so much better than the other students because I had yeah. to pro- like, prove that I was all right and that I could do this and that I was good. Yeah, and then, but the thing is, you set the bar so high for yourself then the second you come a bit underneath that, you're like, oh my God, I'm the worst. So like what, and you know, as a teenager right now, like I get, like I was saying, when I was a teenager, it was 20 years ago. So it feels, it feels very long ago. But when, you know, being a teenager in kind of 2021, like what, what are the pressures being a disabled teen in 2021 that people don't think about? There's a lot of pressure when I first meet someone to kind of, figure out if they know about disability or anything and then if they don't to kind of bust those misconceptions so then I can get them to actually get to know me and they can see me as equal because I find that if I don't do that people literally don't know how to approach me because they kind of see the wheelchair kind of you can see them go I don't know what to do and then you kind of have to introduce yourself and be like hi and then they're like and then you eventually get to, okay, why are you in a wheelchair? And it's like, good, okay, we got here. I can, like, debunk this, and then we can move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that a common question with a lot of kids still? Is it a question that yeah, people still... it's a really common question. Like, why? I just need to know why. And I'm like, okay, so basically, and then I have to go into the whole story. But I kind of simplify it down to my legs and my brain don't get along. I can't walk. And they're like, great, cool, got it. That's all I need to know. I've um, never heard it as like a relationship conflict between your brain and your legs. I like that. I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, my, my dad taught it to me when I was a kid because I remember um, I my first day in like nursery, like it's kind of like kindergarten, I think for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before you go into like actual elementary school, like they even, for that, I remember... I went in in my wheelchair and everyone was just kind of staring at me as I walked in. And then I went home and I was like, dad, what is wrong with me? And he was <laughs> like, your, leg, your legs and your brain are in a fight. They don't talk to each other. And I was like, oh, great, okay. Like it made perfect sense and I didn't question it again. And then, so whenever wow. someone asked me, I would just tell them that and it instantly like made it make sense. That's, I love that reasoning your legs and your brain are in a fight they don't talk to each other i think we found the title of this episode for sure yeah. um yeah. then that's amazing um tell me a little bit about i just wanted to see what other questions i have here tell me a little bit about like did you have you felt like you've had to grow up too fast well like, 100%, I know, like so fast yeah tell me a little bit about that i so i was diagnosed at 18 months old with cerebral palsy and um which is like fine obviously I didn't know because I was like a toddler yeah <laughs> but um it was when I got to about three or four I was kind of I kind of was kind of in school and that so I kind of registered like okay I am different like 
oh. And I kind of clocked on. And then after that, um, I got a bunch of hospital appointments because one side effect of cerebral palsy that people may not know is that your hips can get dislocated. Yep. That's what was happening to me. So um, by that point, they were starting to dislocate. So I'd get a bunch of x-rays and stuff, and I was on all this medication. So by the time I got to 11, they were like, right, they're so badly dislocated that you either get a baclofen pump that like puts medicine in the back of your spine like for the rest of your life permanently or you get surgery and I was like okay surgery it is <laughs> so 11 year old Hannah had like a seven and a half hour operation where they basically if you're squeamish maybe like skip past 30 seconds but they like break your bone put metal rods and plates in it and put metal pins in it and like put your hip back in with those yeah i had that i had the same surgery so i know the joy of having yeah. that, that surgery and how how painful it was um but yeah i mean that definitely would mean that you'd have to grow up so fast yeah because like, i was a literal child having to have such complex medical conversations and like make such big decisions yeah i mean and those decisions are really hard when you're young and i think you know i had a big big surgery uh, when i was 17 or 18 i had no that's not true i was 16 i had spinal fusion um uh-huh. and i remember being 16 being like why do i have to make this decision I want to be a kid and I want to go to parties and I want to like at that point I was coming out as gay and I wanted to like hit on boys and be flirt like I want to do all that I don't want to do surgery like so when you were like when you were 11 did you feel like what was it like having to come up against a surgery like that it was it was tough because also it's one of those things where you it's not a universal experience and it's very not a lot of kids have to go through surgery so you get a lot of sympathy but nobody really could properly understand what you were going through in terms of like how everything was changing because it wasn't just my body it was also the way I kind of viewed myself and the kind of life stage I was in was now kind of bookmarked by 11 was when you had this like life event yeah yeah of course um have you had any surgeries since then? Um, no. So luckily, my surgery completely fixed everything that I nice. had to deal with. So it's, I'm, what, like six years on? I'm so bad at maths. I'm six, seven years on now. And I shouldn't have to have anything again. Wow. Wow. Jealous. Jealous. Because right after I had my spinal fusion, I then had hip, the hip reconstruction. So... I know the joy of having lots of surgeries. And I think when I was like nine, I had a tendon lengthening surgery, which I remember being really uncomfortable and not enjoying at all. But yeah, um, the I, I like how you said those things bookmark kind of our experiences as young disabled kids. And I think that's yeah. true. It really does make us like, oh, when I was 11, all my friends were playing, but I was having surgery. Yeah. And also because I was on so much pain medication, I can only remember the bits after, like in recovery. That is when my memory properly starts. So I can't even remember like up until that point. Well, that's probably a good thing. Because yeah. you probably don't want to remember the rest of it. It was probably horrible and it was... Yeah. Uh, um, I'm just curious, what is the... Because in Canada, where I live, you know, th- those kind of things are free. Do you have the same thing over there in Edinburgh? Yeah, so we have the NHS, the whole of the UK does, which is like the National Health Service. So you get everything you need on that for free. Nice. So you don't have to, because I know my American friends, when they talk about like the surgeries and stuff, it's like, oh, wow, that's ridiculous. Like, so it's really, <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad to know that at least that's coming. Well, and what is your... What has your experience been like in the the health system there, like in terms of being a disabled person? See, people 
been okay, like in terms of like knowledge of my condition. But when I was planning to get surgery, it got postponed like three times because of the way it was going to have to work was I would get surgery, get put on the high dependency unit and then to a normal unit. But because there was only three beds in the high dependency unit, they would get filled up. And then I wouldn't know about it until I'd gone through the whole like IVs and prep for like the 24 hours. And oh, they- so they made you do all that work to get ready for the surgery. And then yeah. they were like, sorry, we can't do it. Yeah. And then on the third time, they were finally like, okay, you're at that point where we have to do the surgery thing. And I was like, thank God. Yeah, like, good, good. Yeah. Um, what now you talked, you talked earlier about your dad. I remember when I was 17, how important my family was to me, you know, being, and like just being a youth, a youth makes me feel so old (laughs) being being young. I remember how important, you know, and how vital they were to me when I was growing up as a disabled kid. How, how has your family been there for you? See, my family has been really good on like, empowering me and being disabled and they did a very good job when I was younger of like here's what your condition is don't be scared if people ask questions they're just curious they aren't mean don't worry about it they just don't know so I was like okay so I would just because I was like raised to be so empowered I would just fully tell people the whole thing and they would be so educated and like fascinated <laughs> they'd be like oh my god so can I move the chair like yeah. And you'd be like, no, but cool. Yeah. Uh, or I remember I used to put people like on the back of the chair so they would jump up on the back. Me too. Um, my mom and I used to do that all the time. My mom would drive around on the back of my chair and we would like go on adventures together. It was fun. Yeah, it became like a playground ride in my school. Of like I would drive everyone up and down, <laughs> and the assistants would sit there like shooting themselves, being like, don't anyone fall over. Yeah, no, like, what are you doing? Liability. Oh my God, don't do that. Oh my God, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, but it was funny to me to get the reactions. I loved it. Oh yeah, me too. I was I was definitely like, I'm going to do it anyway. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and so like, how? in what other ways did your family empower you to come into your disability identity? So when I kind of started this is like the main thing because like when I started my business and was like hey guys here's what I want to do they were like 100% this needs to be made and we need to make it happen all together right now and I was like okay so my dad would be the one like I would be making all this stuff and he'd be like can I put it out on Facebook can I do this can I do that Oh, and he'd be like, I signed you up for another thing. I got you in the, here, talk to this person. Like, he was fully, like, a mini manager, like, trying to, like, make it all happen. And, like, oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to people calling you the girl in the chair. Do you remember, the, or the girl in the wheelchair, do you remember, like, yeah, the first time you heard somebody call you that, and how, how did that make you feel? I remember it because I remember... I was like, it was like me and my best friend. And then at the time, and they were like, do you know Hannah? And they were like, no. And they were like, the girl in the wheelchair. And I I had to be like, hi. And they were like, oh my God, I didn't realize that was you until they said the wheelchair. I had no clue who Hannah was. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is like such a defining factor. You're like, oh, you didn't realize that I existed. Cool. Genuinely. Because to me, I'm just me, right? Like, yeah. I don't see myself as Hannah in the wheelchair. Like, I am Hannah. So for, for that to be, like, a defining factor in someone's head, I was like, oh. Oh. Right. Okay. So if you could go to those kids and say, like, oh, we didn't realize and say, like, here are the things that I wish could define me as a young person with disabilities, like, other than my disability, what would you tell them? I wish it could have been, like, oh, she's really loud, like, she's outgoing, like, she's really, like, good to be around and nice to me and, like, a, a good friend. Yeah, like, stuff that makes you more human than just yeah, the girl. Like, yeah, almost, like, come and join us. Come be friends with us. Other than, like, have you found making friendship, like, 
because I know as a kid making friendship making friends were really hard. It was really hard for me, and it's still really hard for me. Don't worry, when you get older, it'll still be hard. Yay! Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait. But it's still been it's still been really hard for me to make friends because of my disability and because of like internalized ableism and stuff. How have you found that process? See, it was hard at first, but once everyone kind of got to know me, because you kind of stay in the same classes throughout elementary school here. So once everyone kind of knew me, I was pretty okay. So after like a year or two, everyone knew who I was and we were all well adjusted and we were fine. But one, one thing I found in high school is it's been those people who I've kind of been able to carry through the people who knew me at the beginning, but making friends in high school, I haven't been able to do that as much at all. Like, it's really difficult because like, people, like I'm like, I don't want to come up to you if I'm, if like, you're not gonna be friendly to me. I'm like, I'm really shy anyway. Well, you don't seem shy at all. You don't seem very shy at all. So yeah. like, that's, that's surprising, but I totally get it. It's hard when in your home life you're so supported and everybody is they all support you and love you and your disability is not a huge like scare factor for them and then you go out in the real world and it's like oh people are weird about this yeah because i genuinely didn't realize because everyone was like oh this is cool like good for you like you're disabled yeah yeah like let's go and let's do the thing and let's make sure you can do what you want and then you go into the wheelchair and you're like into the real world in a wheelchair and you're like oh wait everyone's really awkward and nobody knows what to do yeah and it's just like it can be really overwhelming how do you like so how do you as a, as a 17 year old person in a wheelchair how do you how do you make yourself feel better about all that stuff about like the the ableism we experience yeah I just kind of need to I remind myself that like my disability is my friend and it's part of who I am. And like, if I didn't have my disability, yes, I wouldn't have like all the ableism and all that ugh, that like goes along with it. So I all... <laughs> but I also wouldn't have like all the, you know, I wouldn't have my website and I wouldn't have things like the podcast and stuff to talk about that I felt that was important and I wouldn't have found my passion if it wasn't for being disabled. I kind of love that at 17, you have found this passion. When I was 17, I was doing everything I could to run away from the fact that I was disabled. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. There was no way in hell that yeah. I would have been like, I'm going to be a disability consultant. I would have been like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. No, no, no. Like, like that is just not a path that I would have taken myself down. Because yeah. I was like, why would anybody want to, why would I want to, bring attention to my disability no ew now of course now it's what I do but like it's not what I would have yeah. done 20 years ago so it's really cool that at 17 you're like no this is what I want to do um how do you see that growing as you get bigger I you know things I would love to do I would love to do like TED talks and stuff and just be like disability 101 here's everything you need to know so that <laughs> so that not every disabled person would have to like have the debunking conversations and yeah. people in society could actually be educated and not ask every single question under the sun you should start an instagram called like disability 101 or something yeah i would i know i need to honestly because the amount of questions like the amount of stupid questions like not stupid as in like don't question but like small things that yeah. I have to answer on a daily basis like how do you get dressed or like how do you get up it's like it must not be that hard to figure out right yeah like, like somebody so helps me get up that's what I do <laughs> yeah but like it's those little things that I have to answer all the time yeah and the exhaustion of like I just answered this five minutes ago why are you asking me again <laughs> yeah. um now at one point, we were a sexy podcast. So I want to ask you some of the, a lot of the questions we receive are, a lot of the questions we get as disabled people are like sex questions because people are yeah. curious. So like as a young person in high school right now, have you have you been introduced to like sex ed yet? Have they done that with you yet? See, they did it, but they did a very straight, able-bodied version. <laughs> So nothing that was actually relevant to me at all. Yeah. 
So like if you could give them pointers and be like, here's what I want to learn about in sex ed as a young person, what would you want to tell them? Just like tell me how to like properly communicate to someone. Like tell me how to set boundaries and tell me how to know when something's good or bad. Like give me the red flags and like warn me that like disabled people could be fetishized and like not all people are great. You know, like give them those basic like consent one-on-one things. Yep. And I think that's really important here because there is such a lack of sex education uh, for disabled people that I think hearing it from a disabled person who wants that stuff is really valuable. Yeah, so such a lack. It's honestly ridiculous. But it's really weird because on one side, you have the fetishization and like thing of disabled people where it's like the struggle fetish and all that stuff, right? But then on the other side, you have those people who are like, oh, and the same person's like attracted to me or like I'm attracted to them like oh my god that's disgusting I'm offended and you and they get completely like desexualized and you're like okay so where's the middle yeah like how do I what and so I'm curious because you said in your questionnaire that you are also part of the LGBTQIA community and I'm curious because because everyone's experiences with being queer and being LGBTQ can be so different for everyone. How would you say that your disability has affected your queerness? Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, okay. So the way my disability affected my queerness was actually really weird because I kind of, I was disabled first and foremost, right? Like that was the main thing I was like, exposed to and then when I got to about 12 13 I was like huh, actually there might be something up here there might be something up and then so my manager reaction was like oh no because like I was raised like m- my parents tried to take me and my sister to church quite a bit and like the primary school I went to was like quite Christian so there wasn't yeah. any talk of like gay people at any of that stuff like within the community so my immediate reaction was quite like medicalized and weird because I was like oh no something is wrong with me I must go to the doctor because doctors take all my things right <laughs> so I was kind of my disabled POV of like there's something wrong I must go and fix it and then as I kind of educated myself I was like oh no that's not how that works Oh. So I, I need to know, did you go to the doctor and be like, I think I like this? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I actually just had a breakdown and like went to the internet and was like, internet, help me. I'm like, YouTube, all the videos, like how to figure out your game. I'm like, all of the coming out stuff. How to figure out your game. Um, <laughs> That's what I did. And I just went down like a 1 a.m. rabbit hole of like all the coming out stories and all the everything I could find of like, is this thing? Amazing. Um, and so how do you like, first of all, thank you for naming that and coming out and being so vulnerable and sharing that part of your story because it's, it's hard to come out anytime, yeah. but it's especially hard to come out like on a podcast. Yeah in front of people so hey cool thank you um how do you feel being part of the community do you feel like it's i feel good about it like i love it i came out like four years ago now so i'm pretty well versed in the whole thing and i love it because when i came out that was the first time i was like oh wait i'm more than just disabled oh cool so you were like you were like i have another identity that i can be seen as yeah so I was like oh my god this is so great there's more to this so I completely like immersed myself in the whole community and like learned the history and was like oh my god I love all these people amazing um how do you feel the community has treated you so far see they they've all been amazing those are the people who I will rock up and they will be just be like hi Hannah and like I will instantly just be humanized and great I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I need more of you. I need to be friends with all the gays. That's, <laughs> I need to be friends with all the gays. Uh, that's, that's so awesome that the queer community has been open and accepting for you because for me, it's been the opposite, I think, with 
queer men wanting to connect with them and trying to be cool with them. It's been really hard for me to get into those communities. Yeah. So I'm really happy to hear that for you, the experience has been so open and so like open and friendly. Yeah, it really has been. But I think that's also a lot to do with the thing of like, I'm not attracted to men. So I don't think I have to deal with that as much. Yeah, men are the worst. Yeah, yeah we like, seem like the worst. We really are. As one, I can tell you, we're pretty, we're pretty the worst. We're pretty much the worst. Um, <laughs> and so, ha- so the other side of that question that I had for you was, uh, how has your queerness impacted your disabilities? It's interesting because. I would kind of, you know, the internet and like Instagram and all that stuff. So I, I would be popping up to like girls and that, and be like getting to know them, and it'd be going great. And you'd be like, oh, "I'm gay, you too." And like, how how did you know? And have that whole conversation. And then after a while, I'd kind of be like, "There's something else I need to tell you." <laughs> <laughs> like, disabled coming out, you know. So yeah. I just be like, "There's something else," and they'd be like, "Hey." Okay, cool, what is it? I'd be like, I'm disabled. And actually, in a wheelchair, they'd be like, oh my God, I can't deal with that. Oh no. What? Like, okay. I'm like, uh, and I get so awkward and like withdrawn and be like, oh my God, what the hell's happening? Yeah. So then I talked to one of my friends about it and it summed it up really well. Because he was like, it's almost as if you're like in a double-edged sword because you came out to like, straight people lose skin they're like great but like that's not got anything to do with me but like you're disabled that's fine and then you go to gay people and you go i'm disabled and they're like oh what no yeah yeah um have you gone on any dating have you well obviously it's pandemic times but like yeah. pre-pandemic have did you go on any dates with anybody i actually was in a long distance relationship for like on and off for like two and a half years wow cool pre-pandemic and like somewhat in the pandemic so there was a whole learning curve there of like okay this is how this works because not only was it like the first time that I was in a relationship let alone with a woman but also it was the first time I kind of had to communicate my disabled needs to a partner as well so Sorry, tell sorry. me tell me a little bit more about like that and what it was like communicate communicating your needs to a partner see it was harder I feel like it would have been a lot easier if it was in real life but you know she was 400 miles away so like what can you do <laughs> classic gay I know <laughs> but so I would just like we would be on the phone and I'd be like wait hold on I need to like reposition myself because I have scoliosis so like if I sit up in bed I can like tilt and like I need to kind of reposition yeah to be like hold on put the phone down and like would I have to be like oh no I need to like reposition myself and feel like what are you doing what's happening and I'd have to like explain afterwards and be like I just needed to do that and I was like all right okay and also you'd have to do a lot of right so if I come and see you what are the physical things I need to do again? And I'd be like, well, if we like go out somewhere, you might have to like cut up food or like do these things. Like just let them know like the little things because those are the things that I find most important, but like get missed the most. Yeah, and I think those are the, I think those little things when, you, when you're telling about it, those things are the scariest things to tell somebody because you're like, what exactly. is... Yeah. What if you cutting up my food scares you and you're like, I don't yeah. want to be with you anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. Yeah. I'm like, because I had, I had, I had like talked to people before I met my ex and, and she was the first one that like, when I was like, I'm disabled, she was like, okay, and? And I was like, wait, so you don't care? Like I was- Yeah, like I don't have to explain all this to you right now. She was like, no, I don't care. She was like, I just like you. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. Like, I didn't expect that to happen at all. I don't know if that's internalized ableism or what the hell that was. But I mean, I really it, like, it probably is, but it feels nice for a minute to have I, somebody be like, oh, it doesn't matter. It, it's not yeah. going to be the biggest part of our relationship. Yeah, so I found that really cool. And then um, I think we actually got... 
into a really good place because you have to because it's long distance and you just have to you know verbally talk so much she actually got to know quite a lot about my disability in my day-to-day -day life because of how much you have to verbally communicate and constantly be talking as opposed to being in person right yeah yeah and i also noticed like as we're talking like and because i have cp and i kind of know what that looks like i can see as we're talking all your muscles like tense so because because i don't know my question is because of all the verbalization the, i don't think that's a word the verbalizing you had to do um you know was it is it harder on your muscles when you had to talk so much because i mean the, it, i mean it is probably if i think about it but because I've gotten so used to it, I don't think about it twice. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm aware my right hand's doing whatever it wants to do. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> but I've got so used to it happening that, like, it doesn't even affect me anymore. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that people always want to know things like, how do you get up and how do you get dressed? And I can see kind of on the side of your bed there I can see a hoyer lift and I can see a ceiling drag lift and I can see all yeah. that can you kind of just for the people that are wondering that maybe yeah. like know you're going to be on this awesome show and want to know more how do you get up out of bed so I am currently sat on what like half of what I would use so I'm sat on a thing called a sling which basically like it hooks up to the hoist and the straps hook onto the machine and then there's a remote and once you push up you get lifted out of your chair and then the person helping you like kind of doesn't shove you because that sounds aggressive but kind of guides your body to where the bed is sometimes they shove you sometimes you sometimes it's a shove i've been there too sometimes it has to be yeah. a shove. <laughs> sometimes it is and uh, so uh, wherever you need to be, chair, bed, etc., and then you get lowered down, and then the straps unhook, and you're where you need to be. Um, and for you, is it a ceiling track or is it a hoyer lift? Uh, it's a ceiling track because I find nice. it a lot easier. And um, because when I use like the portable hoist type things, and um, those require two people, and it yeah. also like depending on this is very disabled and geeky but depending on the floor texture yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah i yep i've been there i know exactly what you're and yep yep yeah. depending on the floor texture like if it's carpet or something they're really hard to move but if it's a ceiling track you don't have to do with any of that yeah you can only use one person yeah <laughs> yeah it makes things a ton easier yeah. um Tell me a little bit about what advice you might offer to other disabled teens out there. See, I would say, first and foremost, you are not alone, I promise. It is not only you. You have a whole community of people and a whole bunch of teens going through the same stuff. I swear, it might not feel like it, but you do. Also, be confident and own your disability because it's a part of you and it's not gonna go anywhere and so guess what it's oftentimes the best part of you so yeah. also the second you embrace it it gets so much easier yeah i love this this is fantastic um i had no more questions we've kind of gone all through them all is there anything else that i missed or anything that you wanted to like say that we haven't said yeah i also wanted to talk a tiny bit about like my gender and my body and how those two things have kind of correlated for me. Yeah, but of course, go ahead, sure. A revelation that I've kind of had through the pandemic and through my life. So um, I, I obviously used the analogy earlier of like my body and my, like my legs and my head are in a fight and they don't really connect. But what I realized recently is my whole body and my brain kind of because of that don't connect. And I was kind of like, and I was kind of talking to my girl about this. So I was like, when people call you a woman, I was like, do you feel a connection to that? And she was like, yes. So I was like, I was like, 
So you don't see your brain and your body as two separate things. And she was like, no, that's not how that works. And I was like, is it not? Because in my head, if my body does something, that's my body separately doing something. It's not me doing it. Yeah, because you were taught that your brain and your body don't work together. So. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this might be a gender thing. I don't know what this means. So then I was like, going down the once again, what am I, who am I, rabbit hole that I seem to find myself in a lot. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm a gender. That's the thing. Oh, uh, yay. That's cool. Well, also think I didn't know that when we, when I made the question. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, I think I might like the term non-binary to like umbrella term describe that. I think that's a thing for me. That's and, really cool. And I love the connection to disability there because I would never have put those two things together. And now yeah. I do. It was, it was a thing that I kind of had throughout my life. Of like, I always viewed them as two separate things and would describe them as such. Yeah. I just didn't realize that other people didn't do the same thing. I think that's a really cool way of looking at it, though. And I, so, so you feel currently right now a gender then? Yeah. Awesome. Like, my brain and my body, they're just not connected. Like my conscious mind and like this flesh sack, like then it's not, they don't correlate at all. <laughs> Amazing. Um, speaking of gender identity and like, do you think, do you think, and I'm, you don't have to, you don't have to know right now, but I wonder if as you get older and you kind of explore this more, do you think that'll change the way you, you present your, yeah, and I'm a, I'm planning to experiment with this post pandemic, and like trying to kind of change my style around a bit to kind of reflect the androgyny that is kind of in my head right now, because I just think that'll be really cool. Also, to my friends, I like I like sent them a coming out letter a couple of weeks ago, and was like, here's what you need to know, people, and like I'd gone through gender identity crisis in a pandemic like in your own head it was a whole thing yeah um, I can imagine that it would be so like it's I, I'm curious though about like your carers and your needs and like how like if you decide you want to change your presentation how is that going to affect your care see I'm very lucky in the sense that my carer understands everything and she's like I get it we're going to do it together. We're going to change your clothes around and we'll go through this whole journey. Oh and my I'm, God, I love her. I, I love yeah, her. I, love she, her I want to be your best friend. Can, can she yeah. be my care? Can we? I, I can arrange it. Kayla, yeah. if, you, if you're listening to this, which I know you are, you've got a new client over here. <laughs> yeah, he just lives 3,000 miles away. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, she was completely down. She was like, okay, so we're going to go thrift shopping and we're going to go to charity shops and we're going to get you like extra, extra large clothes and we're going to sort out all this stuff and get you everything you need to feel comfortable. And I was like, yes. And she was like, I will go around my area and scout out which ones are accessible and then I will bring you to them. And I was like, oh my God. I want to be there for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, when that happens... If your care wants to come back on the show and like update us or with you there, like that would be, I think that's really important because I think so many disabled people feel this way about gender and stuff. Maybe they don't realize they do until hearing you, like until you said you brought it up today. I'm like, wow, maybe like there's, wow. So there's so many people that are going through like wanting to transition, but feeling weird about their disability and their bodies. So having you maybe back on at some point to do like a bonus episode and like yeah, talk about that. I'm so down for that. That would be so fun. Yeah, I'm so down. I think it'll be so fun just to see the evolution of this whole thing and how yeah. I managed to make my head match myself. Like, yeah. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah. And yes, I will ask Kayla if she's down to do an episode, but I'm sure she will be. That would be, I think, just because it's such a, because most of us in these situations, with our carers, we're so unsure of how to like start these conversations. The fact yeah. that you have a care that's like, oh yeah, we'll do it all. Don't worry about it. That's like really, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Because um, I've always treated my carers like my best friends. 
Oh, I like that too. Yeah. That's great. Well, Hannah Pierce, this was such a fun chat and we got into so much stuff that I wasn't expecting even to go to, to like do, but I had the best time today. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Anytime. It was so fun to sit down with you and chat. I loved it. It was one of my favorite episodes for oh, sure. Yeah, thank you. That's such a compliment. It was great. I'm like obsessed with your Instagram as well. So I'm like, oh, like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm like, that's fun. Like, oh. Thank you so much. That's such um, a how do the people follow you? Um, so if you want to follow me, all of my Instagram and stuff is just Hannah underscore XX24. And if you type community.me into Google, the website will pop up and you can get yourself educated on all the disability things and all of my socials and stuff is linked on there too. So it's community.me? Yeah, but okay. T-E-A, like a cup of tea. Oh, community. Like the tea. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Um, I had such a fun time with you and I want to have you back as soon as yeah. we figure out your gender stuff. And like, the, I want to do a whole episode about like going to the shops and getting the clothes and what that means. And <laughs> yeah, it'd be so fun. Yeah, it I, will be really fun. I would love it. So this was great. And um, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It's been such an honor. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon, Hannah. Bye. Bye. Friends, wasn't Hannah the best? Wasn't she just great? I loved chatting with young people. I loved chatting with her about all her endeavors, about her dreams as a young person with disabilities, about what she wants to do, and about kind of what it's like to be a young person with disabilities today. It was just great. And I want to invite more young people with disabilities to come on the show. I think it's really, really important to have these conversations, and these kind of episodes are vastly becoming one of my favorite types of episodes to do. So remember, if you want to be on the show, pop me an email, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com, and be like, hey, Andrew, I'm a young person with disabilities. I'm like 17, 18, and I want to come on your show and talk about being young. That is the kind of stuff that I want. If you're a teenager, younger than that, and you want to come on the show, I want to talk to you because it's so, so important that we talk about disability the younger we get and we talk about the reality of being disabled as young people and I want to use my platform to do that. So Hannah was a great example of that and I'd love to have more of that. So come on the show. But I hope you enjoyed this one. You'll now hear the regular outro. Also, very quickly, if anybody listening wants to be a sponsor for the show, hit me up at disabilityafterdark.gmail.com and we can work out a, a sponsor rate to have an ad on the show. If you want me to create a 30-second ad for your company, for anything you do around disability, and run it for a couple episodes or, you know, a few months, let me know. I'd love to, to help disabled businesses get heard about. So be in touch for that, too. But now, here's the regular outro, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, friends. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled. Bye. All right, friends. Well, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am, of course, your host, Daddy Andrew Gerza. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to my website, www.andrewgerza.com, or you can follow me on social media at andrewgerza underscore on all socials. So that's at Andrew Gerza on Twitter, sorry, at Andrew Gerza underscore on Twitter, and at Andrew Gerza underscore on Instagram. And follow me there, and you can see a lot more stuff on disability that I'm doing. If you want to follow the podcast, you can go to Disaft Dark Pod on Twitter. If you want to support the show, of course, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. And, of course, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about it. If you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. We would love to have you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. 
This has been a production of the Wheels in the Guy Network. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021